you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Well, let's turn your attention tonight to the book of Psalm, the 85th chapter. And let's read verse number 6, Psalm 85, verse number 6. I'm excited tonight. We have some that have come prepared to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. So when we end, when we end the, the preaching tonight, as we go into altar call, I'll ask our uh, baptistry team to activate and be ready to assist and help those that are going to be baptized tonight and if you didn't come prepared but you would like to join them in baptism this is a good night to be baptized in Jesus name we have robes and towels and uh, a changing area and somebody will be glad to walk you through the process tonight and all you have to do is notify us we'll be glad to baptize you tonight on this last Sunday night of 2019 moving into 2020 with clear vision in Jesus name Amen. Psalm chapter 85, verse number 6. Wilt thou not revive us again? Wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. How many of you want to have revival in 2020. You want a personal revival in 2020. You want what is dead to be brought back to life again in 2020. If you believe that tonight, if that's your desire, you ought to shout it to the Lord with a hand clap of praise and receive it in Jesus' name. God, we need revival. In Jesus' name. One of the key elements in every successful life is the uncanny ability to know where you are and to know what direction that you're headed in. As we approach the beginning of the new year, it is, it is very important that we recognize where we have been. But it is more important that we know where we are going. Unfortunately, in this clutter-filled world, we gradually lose sight of where we are in God if we're not careful. And we lose focus of our highest priorities 
when this happens, our priorities gradually change. And often our very reason for living gets lost in the minefield called life. The church was designed to be a landmark and a lighthouse that points the way in a landscape that is often forgetful of the reality of the condition that we live in. We come here on Sunday, and if we're not careful, we get a false sense of reality and forget that the world is lost without God. But if the church ever loses its vibrancy and its light grows dim, we find ourselves so easily enamored with the things of this world, the things that make up our lives, and our focus can quickly shift from where we are going to where we are now. And we start living for day-to-day existence instead of keeping eternity in clear view. The urgency of eternal judgment begins to take a back seat to the more immediate sensory impulses and inputs of the world around us. And we, we simply lose our way and forget that the stage of life that we are on is simply a test for eternity. We are promised 70, some few more, if we are greatly favored of the Lord. But it is very, very short. Life is very short in comparison to eternity. If we're not careful, we forget that this world is not our home that we're just passing through. And if we're not careful, we lose our edge on what is really important. And we start talking about and preaching about and reaching for and working for things that are temporal instead of things that are eternal. I refuse to allow anything to get in my way of keeping my focus on what is eternal. When we fail to keep heaven in view, we simply have lost our way. We don't hear as much preaching about heaven as we used to. I want to remind the church that we are living in the final moments of this race. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. We used to sing in my growing up years, there's one more river to cross and one more mountain to climb. But I'm going through with Jesus, hallelujah, holding to his nail-scarred hands. And yeah, we used to sing a song that sounded something like this. We've come too far to turn around. Come on, church. we got to make up our mind. We may not sing the same tunes, but we sing the same message. We've come too far to turn around. We don't sing about heaven the way we once did. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's because our focus has become so much on this earth that we forgot that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. 
Oh, I want to see him and I want to look upon his face. Oh, by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God gather home, oh, I'll fly away. Oh, glory, I'll fly away. Come on, some of you know the old hymns that I'm reminiscing about tonight because it was songs about heaven and songs about where we're going. Don't get so caught up in the here and now that we forget about where we're going. I hope tonight through this message that somebody gets heaven back in view and recognizes that making it to heaven and taking my friends and my family to heaven is more important than wealth, more important than popularity, more important than who's in the White House, more important than what I gain in this world. But this world is not my home. I'm just passing through the apostle Paul says I have not seen and ear hath not heard neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him when America has failed God when they boo him off the stage, when they boo him off the platform of life. Marijuana is legalized. Same-sex marriage is applauded. Abortion is acceptable. And the church is more concerned about the comforts of the flesh than they are reaching a world that is lost without God. Come on, CLC, in 2020, it doesn't matter what song we sing. It doesn't matter whether the AC needs turned up or the heat needs turned up. It doesn't matter whether the sound system is too soft or too loud or the, or the beat of the drum is not to my liking or the solo's not mine. We gotta keep our eyes on the prize. We've got a heaven to gain and I want to take somebody with me. We're living in the last day. The Bible says that the very elect of the church is going to be tried. But oh child of God, I come tonight to remind you that we have a hope. The apostle Paul said if my hope was only in this world, we would be of all men most miserable. But my hope, ladies and gentlemen, is not in this world. But my hope is in that which is to come. The church must not become so enamored with the thought of God being with us down here as we deal with the troubles of life. Then we are the thought of God preparing us to meet him over there. If our focus becomes on how we're going to get through it here and our rejoicing is for what God has done for us here. If I told you tonight that God has blessed this church with a $500,000 miracle, I'm guessing there would be folks all over the building standing and applauding and high-fiving one another and making loops around the building. Maybe some would want to run the aisle tonight. Maybe some would want to get out in the aisle and just dance a little while. Maybe we'd get Dylan on the organ and Danny on the drums 
We'd get the music all keyed up. And Sister Cheryl would call a fast song and we'd just have ourselves a party. But that's all about the here and now. But I wonder how, I wonder how excited we could be tonight if there was three people that's going to be buried in Jesus' name, baptism. That's more important than a $500,000 offering. The Bible said the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. The church ought to rejoice over somebody being baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. Come on, where are our priorities? The church needs a revival. Notice I didn't say the world needs revival. I said the church needs revival. I'll preach to the world on another night, but right now I'm preaching to the church. The church needs a revival. And the church needs a reality of eternity, of a real heaven and a real hell. Hell is real and heaven is real. And revival is the only solution. Because when the church loosens its grip on this world, we will begin to reach toward the eternal life of heaven. When the bright and shining light of heaven points us in the true direction, we'll stop fumbling around in darkness, worried over who's got the position and who's up front and whose name gets called. And who gets the recognition? None of that really matters when we really start putting it all in real view. What is revival? Stephen Olford declares that revival is a sovereign act of God in which he restores his own backsliding people to repentance, to faith, and to obedience. It goes without saying that revival is for the church. And revival doesn't begin somewhere else. Revival begins with me. And revival begins with my choice to return back to my first love. That is the number one assignment of the church today. Return to your first love. Real personal revival is not on the radar of the majority of people in the church world today. Their mind is on comfort. Their mind is on what's in it for me. We have been challenged by a mandate from God here at CLC to rebuild the altars of prayer in our homes. CLC, we need a revival of prayer. We need a revival of fasting. We need a revival of the hope of heaven. We need to get back to the basics and the essentials. Because you're not going to make it out of this world if you fall in love with this, with this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But I'm going to tell you tonight that when we turn loose of the love of this world and we get our focus on heaven and we begin to live for heaven and we live with heaven in view, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Come on, somebody needs to pick up on what I'm saying tonight and understand that God is calling the church to a revival, a prayer, a fasting, of worship, of faithfulness like we never have. But we need a revival 
of the view of eternity in heaven and hell and understand that the lost is going to a place that purgatory doesn't exist and they can't be prayed out of, bought out of, called out of. There is only one hope and that is while they're here and while they're still alive that the church is going to the highways and the byways and the hedges and compelling them to come in before it's too late. So I have to ask you the question tonight. Do you want revival? Do you really want revival? Pain and need is deep in the hearts of the people in this postmodern world. Everywhere you look, people are hurting. People are dealing with all sorts of addictions and things that have a grip on them in this world. This life has tied them down. They are bound by the things of this world. And their love for God, while they claim a love for God, is diminished. Diminished by the quest for entertainment, for involvement, and for personal gain. This is the real world that we're living in. The church has followed suit with the world. And we have become a place rather than a place of healing, of hope, and of deliverance. We become a place of entertainment. The promise of involvement and the promise of personal gain. We give in order to be able to get. We work in order to be able to get a stage. Our motives are out of whack, out of order. There is an enemy on the loose. I borrow from the words of the message that my wife spoke a few months ago. She said, there is an enemy on the loose. He masquerades his accomplishment and achievement. His name is overactivity. He is robbing our homes and our families and our churches of time. No time to pray. No time for personal devotion. No time for church. Hey, I come tonight to call the church back to a point of a personal revival. Comfort has overruled our hunger for God. I'm trying to direct us to, to a posture toward the desperation of, of, of our only hope. Our only hope is that the church be renewed with a revival that is born on our knees and born in desperation and born in faith. God, would you revive us once more that the church could really rejoice. Not rejoicing over temporal things, but rejoicing because our name has been written down and rejoicing because what we are investing in is greater than the things of this world. Revival is something that is orchestrated of God, but the body of Christ must show signs of wanting revival. Our attitude toward revival and our attitude toward messages such as the one I'm preaching tonight says everything about our real desire for revival. What I mean by posturing for revival is our generation has had everything handed to them. Their expectation is, much, is not much different regarding the things of God. We want to just simply 
show up occasionally and have God hand us everything. It bothers me when I see people willfully walk away from God and yet when their life gets in trouble and their, their family gets in trouble and, and their marriage is in trouble and their finances are in trouble and their health is in trouble, the first thing they do is turn to social media and say, why don't somebody pray? I need a miracle. Does God really deserve, do any of us deserve a miracle from the Lord? No. But how in the world can we willfully slap God in the face and willfully walk away from Him and expect His hand of mercy to always strive with us? My Bible tells me that His that the Lord will not always strive with man. There is a point that people will go so far away that God will turn them over to a reprobate mind and allow them to believe a lie and be damned. But I'm here tonight to preach hope and faith into somebody that's been walking away and walking on the edges and saying I'll get back to it when I get through this stage of life. I pray you do but I can't promise you tomorrow. I can promise you this moment and tell you at this moment God sent an apostolic preacher to this pulpit to tell you God loves you and you need a revival to begin way down deep in your spirit. There is nothing worth being lost over. We live in a day where everybody wants God to hand them everything. Do it for me, God. I say, God, I showed up on Sunday. I deserve a miracle. I threw a few dollars in the offering. I deserve a miracle. Preacher, come prophesy over me. I come tonight not to prophesy. I came tonight not to tell somebody that God has a miracle for you yet. I know that there are miracles that have already happened in this house tonight. But I'm coming tonight to tell you that God has the greatest miracle of all for you. And that is the hope of eternal life and the hope of salvation. And if you have not repented of your sins and if you have not been baptized in the only saving name into the name of Jesus Christ and if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I tell you tonight would be the night I would say I'm going to repent I want to be baptized and I am going to be filled with the Holy Ghost before I leave here tonight it is the only way to get out of this world it is your hope of glory it is your own the only way come on church we need a revival of people that believe this message is what we need to save the world that it's still this Acts 238 message still brings people out of the depth of sin still breaks addictions, still turns people's lives around. Do you believe it tonight? You want revival? Are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to press toward it? Are you willing to pursue the Lord for it? I came to ask a question tonight. How many of you truly feel desperation in your spirit? For an absolute God sent revival. About eight of you, you're gonna get it. Uh huh, you're gonna get it. Because when you are desperate, my Bible says if you knock, he'll open it to you. 
My Bible says he won't withhold any good thing to them that walk uprightly. For those of you that are desperate for it, for those of you that are willing to fast for it, for those of you that are willing to pray for it, for those of you that are willing to go after it, just get ready because the revival is going to come to your life. Are you hungry for a desperate and desperate for a fresh touch from the Lord? Are you hungry for God's presence daily in your life? If we're going to have, have revival, then we have to posture for revival. That means everything that we do has to be revival focused. We've got to grow to a point that our focus becomes on revival. If we're going to have revival, we've got to let all the petty things disappear out of our mind. In our heart, we stop coming before the Lord, praying that he makes me look better and feel better and gives me some anti-aging anointing. But we have to show signs that we are desperate for revival. How long has it been since you have prayed until you prayed through and were lost in the Spirit? How long has it been since you fasted until the world grew strangely dim? How long has it been since you prayed until you spoke with tongues afresh and anew? How long has it been since you have prayed and fasted until the fleshly desires are overtaken by spiritual gains? How long has it been since you prayed until you had a personal Gethsemane? How long has it been since you fasted until the cross took on new meaning. CLC, we need an apostolic revival. Most of you come tonight knowing, I promised you tonight I was going to speak to you a little bit about what is coming for January and February for CLC. If you're new here and you've never been part of it, get ready for the most amazing time of your life. Over the next few weeks, the church is going to engage in a season of prayer and fasting. And during our season of prayer and fasting, we're going to, be, we're, we're going to see things begin to happen that absolutely will blow your mind. Services will be a little different. It won't be nearly as hard to get people to worship when our bellies are hungry from fasting. Some... In the next 20 days or so, we'll begin a 21-day journey, 21 journey of prayer and fasting. Others will begin even next week on a 40-day journey of prayer and fasting. Whatever you do, do whatever you can. I'm not calling the whole church to any particular type of prayer or fasting. This year... I'm going to be more relaxed in my approach. And that is, I'm telling you, if you want it, you can have it. I'm not going to be frustrated over those that go out to dinner and post on social media while the rest of us are starving. Not going to do it. Not this year. If you want to fast in the over the next 40 days, we're going to be praying and fasting more than we normally do.
If you want to fast a day, a day a week, two days a week, three days a week, if you want to do a Daniel's fast, a Jewish fast, an all-out fast, a fast fast, whatever you want to do, I like to fast fast. Just like that when I was just on one right there. Y'all didn't even see it. I just went on a fast when I started preaching here. Going to break it tonight right after I get done preaching. The last is the three-hour fast. Whatever you do, point is you're not doing it to please me. If you're doing it to please me, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. If you're doing it for people to see you, 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 you miss the whole, the whole thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that you, you were to go and to wash our face, to not do it to be seen of men. Don't walk around with a strange face complaining about, oh, I'm tired of all the stuff that I have to do, and you, you don't have to do anything. If I said you had to, that would make this place a cult, and we're not a cult. Somebody said, what are the rules? I don't have any. I'm not a cult leader. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. But I am going to tell you that some of us have made a decision that we're going to pray and fast until revival. Until revival comes and our families are saved and the addictions are broken and people that are lost come back to God when people drive down the street and have to turn in because the glory of God is drawing them in. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. Musicians better come get ready. We have some that's come here tonight, going to be baptized here in just a few moments. I'm going to hurry up and get out of the way, but I'm not quite done. So give me a minute to preach. Half my amen corners, I'll come to the platform. I hope y'all are planning on amening me from up here. I got a little more preaching to do. I just like to have some background music every now and then. Are you ready for revival? Are you ready to pay the price for revival? Revival comes with a cost. A cost of prayer. A, the, the cost of fasting. The, the cost of energy and effort. As I'm closing the message tonight, I believe that God has wanted to send a Holy Ghost revival. And a subsequent time of harvest that is going to come at the same time. I feel in my spirit tonight, and I'll be preaching about this in a few days. But I felt a whisper of God say, I'm going to cause the former rain and the latter rain to come down together. That doesn't mean the former rain and all, that's, all that you've lost in the past is all going to catch up. He says all that you've lost in the past and what you need for right now is all going to hit right now all at one time. I, I'm not talking about full bank accounts. I'm not here preaching prosperity to you tonight. I'm not telling you that you're going to walk out of here and never suffer, never struggle. I'm talking about spiritually tonight. There are some of you that have been so spiritually drained. The devil has fought you and pulled you down and tied you down and tied 
tied you to addictions and tied you to all sorts of things and you come and praise him on Sunday and go back and fight the enemy on Monday, the fight may not be over, but the victory is going to be yours in 2020 in the name of the Lord. Every addiction in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, every addiction that has a hold on somebody under the sound of my voice, be broken right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout to God for the victory. The chains are being broken. The chains are falling. The chains are falling. Praise the Lord for the victory. Praise the Lord for your neighbor's victory. Praise God over your family member's victory. The blessings of God are about to overtake this church. Some folks that have been walking the edge of the church are going to feel the nudge and call of God and they're about to wade out into the deep. Some of you have waded in a little water but come on in a little deeper. When you get ankle deep come on in a little deeper. When you get knee deep come on in a little deeper because we're going to get in water that's deep enough we can swim in. That's the kind of revival that God is going to send this church. You may be the key to unlock the door of revival. There are many differences between the group of people, the 120, that gathered on the day of Pentecost. A lot of differences in them. There were people with different backgrounds and social upbringings. There were Medes and Persians. and The Bible has a long list of all those that were there. It was a long list of all different nationalities and people from all sorts of different places. A lot of differences in the people that were gathered there on the day of Pentecost when the 120 went and gathered in the upper room in the city of Jerusalem. A lot of differences. But there was one common thing. The Bible said that they were in one mind and one accord and one place. They all went there on a word from Jesus that said, go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be filled with power from on high. And they went there with expectancy. I want you to say that word with me, expectancy. I want you to look at your neighbor and just say that word to them, expectancy. It's the attitude that comes when your faith is put into action. 
All the 120 had on the day of Pentecost was a word from the Lord. And they went to the upper room with expectancy. Somebody needs to hear the word of the Lord tonight. What started with expectancy on the day of Pentecost still comes with expectancy. To these that are being baptized in Jesus' name tonight, let me speak to you. And maybe you've made a decision to join them. Let me speak to you. Here's what the Bible says. That when we repent, that God, our Father, is faithful and just to forgive us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? When you say, God, I'm sorry, He's faithful and just to forgive us. So you're forgiven. But baptism is more than just going down in water dry and coming up out of the water wet and it's more than just a public confession of faith but in water baptism there is something done in the spirit it comes through faith the reason we baptize in Jesus name is because it's the only way in the Bible that I can find for people to be saved you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. Every place in Scripture that someone was baptized, they were baptized calling on the name of the Lord. And so when you're baptized tonight, we're going to speak the name of Jesus. And what happens when you go down in that water is this is what, there's what we can see, the public confession. You're going down dry, coming up wet, and you come up and we all celebrate and clap our hands. But there's more to it than that. Because there is a work in the spirit of where the Bible said that baptism is for the remission Anybody in here ever had cancer? And you went through treatment? And what'd they tell you? That cancer's in remission. That means it ain't doing nothing. When you were baptized in Jesus' name, you were baptized for the remission of your sins. God forgave you, but you still carry around the guilt. But when you go down in water in Jesus' name, those sins are remitted or they are removed. They are made non-existent. They are put into remission, meaning that they have no effect on your life. And as you were buried, as the Bible says it several different ways, as you were buried with him in baptism, when you come out of the water, you come out of the water to live in newness of life. But there is a promise that belongs to you. Tech team, can you throw Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39? Prepare it real quick for me because I want them to know that I'm not just making these things up. We're going to throw this on the screen because I want you to get this to understand what is going to happen tonight when you are baptized in Jesus' name. Here you go. Now, I talked about them going to the upper, upper room in Jerusalem, right? And they were gathered in the upper room in the city of Jerusalem where they would be filled with power from on high. They're there with expectancy. And the Holy Ghost came, and it blew in like a wind, and they, it filled all the house where they were sitting. They all began to speak with other tongues. People came. They were confused. They said, we don't understand all of this. There's a long dialogue that happens through Acts chapter 2. And finally, some bystander looks at this crowd of 120 people and says, what must we do 
that this same experience can happen to us. What must we do to be saved? Peter said unto them, Repent. I want you to read that out loud with me, would you? Repent and be baptized. Every one. Every one of you. Say, that's me. Every one of you in the name. How? How? In the name of in the name of Jesus Christ. There's no other place in the Bible. You're not going to find, there, nowhere in the Bible you're going to find where people were baptized any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And when you come up out of that water baptism in the name of Jesus, the Scripture said you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do you know that the Holy Ghost has come upon you? The Bible said when the Holy Ghost came upon them, they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify the Lord. When you come up out of that water, the Holy Ghost is a promise that belongs to you. Now I know, just a minute, I'm almost done. But I know, I know somebody probably told you, well, that was for Acts chapter 2 verse 38. But let's go to verse 39. For the promise. What promise? The promise of the Holy Ghost. When you repented and been baptized, that promise is to and to and to say that's me. That means that promise is to you, to even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And God has called you tonight and brought you to where you are. And that promise belongs to you. If you're ready to be baptized in Jesus' name, I want you to walk right back to that sign that says restroom. Our altar team, our our baptismal team are going to meet you there. And you'll change one at a time and come out. We're going to be singing and worshiping. We're going to begin to baptize people in Jesus' name tonight. Come on, CLC. Are you ready for an apostolic revival? Are you ready for an outpouring and a harvest of souls? Are you ready to see what we've never seen in our lifetime? Come on, if you're ready for it, come forward tonight. Begin to magnify the name of Jesus. Break through in my praise, break through in our hands and glorify. 